The most important and comforting thought we could ever have, even in the midst of our turbulent times, is this. God himself is supremely and always king, and we can safely and confidently put our full trust in him. Coming up, real hope for these turbulent times, next on Daily in Christ. Welcome once again to the Daily in Christ podcast. I'm Mark Van Oos. Well, the year 2020 will no doubt go down in history books as one of the most turbulent years in America's history. We have seen a worldwide pandemic leaving over 230,000 Americans dead in its wake. Tremendous economic upheaval due to the lockdown as a result of the pandemic. Racial unrest riots, arson, and looting in cities all across America, and now a tumultuous election. You know, if you took any one of those things that I just shared with you, it would be bad enough. But the combination of all of these things is certainly unsettling, to say the very least. As a matter of fact, many have been shaken, and they're anxious and fearful I've been surprised to see even Christians getting caught up in the anxiety and fear. But this should not be. Of all people, Christians should know better than to be anxious and fearful like their worldly and unsaved neighbors. Why? Because God is good. Because God rules supreme over all. Because God's kingdom will never come to an end. Psalm 145 verse 13 declares of God, Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. Psalm 2 verses 1 through 4 speaks so powerfully to our times. Listen to this. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. That's in Psalm 2, verses 1 through 4. Did you hear that last verse? God sits in the heavens and laughs at them. He holds them in derision. You know, there are wicked people involved in wicked schemes, and it seems to us in a very temporal way like they're getting away with it. But they're not. God is king and judge who rules and judges over all. Man is like nothing compared to God. That's why he laughs at them. That's why he holds them in derision. Dear friend, regardless of the final outcome of this election, remember, no election 
and no one can unseat God from his royal eternal throne. God is the great King of kings who unseats kings and raises them up. God and his kingdom shall rule and reign forever. And all other kings and kingdoms ultimately bow the knee to God, the great high king. In the last two episodes of the Daily in Christ podcast, I shared a message titled, In God We Trust 2020, which underscored the great importance of trusting God and not man. But because of the sense of unrest and anxiety that I'm seeing among so many Christians today, I feel led of the Lord to share a message that I preached at my home church just days before the 2016 U.S. election. And I have to say, I was a little bit hesitant to do this, uh, not to preach it then, but to bring this message now, as we've just come off the last two episodes with a similar theme. However, I sense the Lord giving some strong leading to bring this 2016 message to you for these reasons. While the underlying concept of in God we trust is similar, there's enough different material to warrant bringing this message today and next week. I strongly sense the Lord is adamant that we do two important things that we remove our trust and dependence upon man, no matter who they may be, and that we place our full trust in God, our rightful and eternal King. As you listen, bear in mind that this message was preached in 2016, four years ago, and obviously there are some different circumstances and events back then compared today. Regardless, the message is timeless because it brings forward the great biblical truth that God rules and reigns over all. And God calls us to put our full trust in Him. And now, part one of In God We Trust. Well, good evening, everyone. Good Uh, good evening. Glad you're here, and uh, this message came about a few weeks ago. It was the retreat weekend, and Chet was not feeling well. He was pasty white and coughing, and he said, Mark, uh, you need to be ready just in case. And so I went to the Lord and said, oh, I mean, I could preach many different messages, but what's the message that God has for you right now? That's the most important thing. And so I went to the Lord and he laid this message on my heart in God we trust. And so I fortunately, uh, Chet, the Lord did a number on him, healed him. He was able to preach that Sunday. And by the way, Chet, thank you for your word this morning. I know it was a battle, but, you know, it, it is an important word that God's people take that time to value the voice of God, to make space for the voice of God. You know, I was seeing uh, our numbers here that tonight is not real big, and that's okay because God loves to work in small ways. And it reminded me of something that took place in the history of the church in America. 
And by the way, the history of the church in America is powerful. Yes. America was great because not of a politician, but because of people who sought the Lord. And I like to tell you about a time in American history, and, and this is spur of the moment. I, while we were singing, this came to mind, and so I quick looked it up online at Christianity Today. And um, back in the, in the 1850s, before the Civil War, there was a man, a businessman, on, who worked in New York City right downtown. His name was Jeremiah Lanfear. And it says in this article, he had hoped for more to show up for his prayer meeting. But six people were six people. And did not the scriptures say, like Sandy said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of you. <laughs> well, we've got twice that number tonight. So at lunchtime, he did not moan about the small number who turned out in response to his advertisement, an advertisement calling for people to pray. Instead, he knelt with the others in the rented hall. He had rented a hall, <laughs> a big hall, and six people showed up. Instead, he, with the others, knelt down in that rented hall in Fulton Street, New York. America sure needed prayer. <laughs> Sounds like today. The United States was in spiritual, political, and economic decline. Many people were disillusioned with spiritual things because of preachers who had repeatedly predicted the end of the world in the 1840s. <laughs> Agitation over slavery was breeding political unrest, and civil war seemed near. Just this year, financial panic hit. Banks failed, railroads went bankrupt, factories closed, unemployment increased. In lower Manhattan, a Dutch Reformed church had been steadily losing members, largely because of population changes owing to immigration. They hired the layman Jeremy Lamphere to reverse the trend with an active visitation program. Despite his visits, church members were listless, so he rented the hall on Fulton Street and advertised prayer meetings. He himself enjoyed close fellowship with the Lord and thought others might as well. Conditions in the United States got worse. Maybe that was a good thing. Sometimes trouble makes people turn to God. The Bank of Philadelphia failed. The third week of Jeremy's program, his prayer meeting had 40 participants and they asked for daily meetings, not once a week. And then on October 10th, the stock market crashed. Suddenly, people were flocking to the prayer meetings. Within six months, 10,000 people were gathering daily for prayer in New York City alone. Other cities experienced a renewed interest in prayer, too. In Chicago, the Metropolitan Theater was filled every day with 2,000 praying people. In Louisville, several thousand came to pray for prayer each morning. 2,000 assembled for daily prayer in Cleveland, and St. Louis churches were filled for months at a time. And you know, in many places, tents were set up for prayer. Tents. The newly formed YMCA also played an important role in holding prayer meetings and spreading the revival. 
throughout the country. God loves to work with small beginnings. Amen. Our Savior was born in the little town of Bethlehem, right in the shadow of the big city of Jerusalem. God loves small beginnings. Well, tonight, across our country, we're not the only ones. There are millions of Christians praying tonight in prayer for our country. Now, the elections are Tuesday, and that's a concern that we have that's immediately in our minds. But the fact is our country is really broken and hurting. We have economic difficulties. We have security problems. We have morality that's down in the cellar. No, it's in the sewer. And I'm going to tell you something. Things cannot sustain this way for long. Someone once wisely said that when America catches a cold economically, the rest of the world catches pneumonia. We have a significant input into what happens in this world. But this is not the first time that there has been a dark chapter in our history. And when God's people have looked to Him and placed their trust in Him, God has moved in a powerful and merciful way, and the tide of darkness was pushed back in the light of the gospel. So what we want to do tonight is I'm going to to just share the burden that's on my heart about this message, and hopefully it'll help to just throw gasoline on your fire. (laughs) I don't believe you don't have fire. You know, you are serious for the Lord. That's why you're here. And I thank you for that. But I know the message is being recorded, and I just want to make sure that that is technically happening. Okay, we're good. And um, I know that others will hear it who are not in this room. So what we're going to do is we're going to have the message, and then we'll have about a half hour just to pray. There'll be three prayer focuses that we're going to have. We're going to pray about the elections. We're going to pray about our leaders in government. And then we're going to pray for us, pray for the church, according to the pattern of 2 Chronicles 7.14. The Lord said, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. Let's open with prayer, with hearts of expectation for what God wants to do tonight. O God, our help in ages past, we recognize, God, your sovereign presence and ability and power and transformation in revival in the chapters of our nation. And Lord, we we say that America has been great because America put their trust in God. And Lord, that's what will make America great again. Not a politician, not a campaign slogan but you, Lord, and a people that will turn away from themselves and turn with full trust and obedience unto you. Father, I pray that the message you have laid upon my heart would go out to ears and hearts to inspire, to bring hope and direction in these times. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, this morning, and I'll just touch this very briefly, it is very important to get out and pray. I want to add to what I said this morning and just say, uh, please get your election information, not from Fox News or CNN or MSNBC or whoever. Get it from godly sources, 
from Christian sources. For years I worked in Christian broadcasting and I can tell you people like Dr. James Dobson and others have a rich resource of information about the candidates and the biblical positions that need to be adhered to. So I encourage you to, to vote, vote prayerfully, bro, vote informed by godly people. Um, as you vote prayerfully, seek God's mind in the matter. Not the Republican Party or the Democratic Party or the Green Party or the Patriot Party or whatever party, Tea Party. Seek God's mind in the matter. Obey God. Follow Him in what He directs you to do. I've heard of Christians saying, I'm not going to vote in this election. Um, even if you show up at the election, okay, and, and go in there, and you don't vote for every single office, that's fine. You say, I don't have peace with any of these candidates. Show up. It's not just a presidential election. We have a U.S. Senate seat that is open here in the state of Pennsylvania. We have important uh, uh, Congressman Glenn Thompson is up for re-election. He's a very good and godly man, by the way. We have state offices as well. It isn't just a presidential election. Please be sure you get out and vote. Do your God-given duty and vote prayerfully. Make a difference. I would like you to open up your Bible to Psalm 118. We're going to look at two verses here at the beginning, verses 8 and 9. I have missed very few times in my entire adult life to vote. I have always regarded voting as a sacred duty. Amen. Harry, I know that you are a veteran, and I salute you and thank you for your service. Do we have any other veterans here in the room? Why do I vote? Number one, it is a God-given responsibility. Number two, there are men and women like Harry who laid their lives on the line to, to preserve and protect our God-given freedom. Psalm 118, verses 8 and 9. This is going to become a, an important theme for this message. It says this, It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. In princes, it is better to put confidence in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to put confidence, trust in the Lord, than to put confidence in princes. And princes refers to our rulers, like a president. You know, I said this this morning, and I say this as a kind of a way to connect with people who are vexed about what's going on in our world. I mean, we think of the problems that we're facing today of ISIS. It, 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 it blows my mind. I can get scared thinking about it. I mean, this time last year in a concert in uh, Paris, gunmen came in and slaughtered people. I am a person who is a victim of gun violence. I know what it's like to hear gunshots ring out for someone to kill you. And I know that nothing in all of your life will strike you more than that sound and what that means. It's come to our country. It's serious. 
Our economic situation are such that we are $20 trillion in debts. That means that every man, woman, and child is $68,000 in debt. That's just, that doesn't include your personal debt. That's a problem that's out of control. And we could go on and on. Abortion on demand, I mentioned 54 million precious lives have been snuffed out. And I will not compromise. That's an evil. Uh, and let me say that I'm thankful for God's forgiveness to those who receive him. Many of the women who fight in the front lines of the pro-life battle, and I've met them, have been those who, who grieve that, that they made that wrong. And they have found forgiveness in the Lord Jesus Christ, and they said, I want to be a voice for the voiceless. We could go on and on. Our need is great. This is a dark time, not only in this country, but in the world. And so, you know, you pull out a dollar bill or any kind of currency, and you'll see these words, in God we trust. That is the national motto. The national model of the United States of America, despite the ACLU, is in God we trust. And it's the responsibility, especially for the people of God, to put their personal trust in the Lord and to show by example what that means. Turn to Isaiah 33, verse 22. This is a very striking verse. Isaiah 33, verse 22. I'm going to say that this verse is the verse that modeled our form of government and the structure of government, and I'll explain that in a moment. But turn to Isaiah 33, verse 22, which says this. And by the way, this verse had a profound impact on the founders of America. It says, For the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. He will Save us. When I think of America and what we need today, I think of this verse first and foremost. Isaiah 33, 22. Now I said that this particular verse formed the foundation of the structure of our government. We have three branches in our government. There is the executive branch, which is the, the president is in charge. There is the legislative branch branch, which is the law-making branch. That's the Congress. And then there is the judicial branch. That's the Supreme Court at the top, and then all the system of courts all the way through the land. Now, you notice in Isaiah 33, 22, it says, the Lord is our judge. That's the judicial. And the judge who reigns supreme is the Lord. It says that the Lord is our lawgiver. He is the one who establishes right from wrong, yes, not what we think. I was very frustrated. Again, the United States Supreme Court took matters in their own hands, which they should never do. The founders of our, of our Constitution never intended for the members of the Supreme Court to legislate and make law from the bench. They are to judge based upon law. And uh, as they did in 62, when they removed prayer and Bible study and created this not true separation of church and state that doesn't exist anywhere in our Constitution, in our Bill of Rights. And then in 73, when there was Roe versus Wade that legalized abortion on demand. And then in June of, uh, I think it was 2013, 
the U.S. Supreme Court said that uh, marriage wasn't exclusively between a man and a woman. It could be between a man and a man and a woman and a woman. Well, I'll tell you, the Lord is the judge. Yeah. He is the one who is the final word. And by the way, if you go into the United States Supreme Court and you look around the, the outside, you will find the Ten Commandments wringing their heads in that very courtroom. What's the big message? God is the great judge over all. God is the great law giver over all. God is the great king over all. And the last part of Isaiah 33 says, and he will save us. You know, I've lived a while, 56 years, and I've seen a lot of things come and go through the years. And one thing that I recognize in our time, in just about every dimension, things seem to be getting unglued. And people are looking for a savior. You know, even on the silver screen of movie theaters, they've got all these superheroes. You know what that is? Looking for a savior. People recognize the times are dark. Do you know the last time superheroes were really popular in American culture? It was during World War II after the Great Depression and during a terrible war, they were saying, we need heroes. The hero we need is the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. God will save us. Not Trump, not Clinton, not anyone else. Thank God for that. If anyone tells you to trust in anyone else besides God alone, turn away from it. Did you know that in all sessions of the United States Supreme Court, every single time those justices sit down in the high court and they begin, the first words that are said by the court martial is this, God save the United States and this honorable court. God save the United States and this honorable court. That saying was based on the verse we just looked at, Isaiah 33, verse 22. Our national motto, in God we trust, had its origin. The first person who publicly mentioned this as an idea for a national motto was the writer of the Star-Spangled Banner, Francis Scott Keyes. And you know, it was during the War of 1812, in the Battle of Fort McHenry, when there was so much artillery fire and bombs bursting in the air that smoke filled the air and it was back and forth and back and forth and he was on a ship and he wondered whether the United States had prevailed because if the United States lost the battle, the flag would come down. And through the night, by those bombs bursting in the air and the flashes of light, he would squint and look and every once in a while he would see old glory painting the breeze. And he prayed through the night. And his heart was so taken as saying, oh God, we need a miracle. We need a miracle. And by dawn's early light, he could see the flag still flying. America was alive. And in the fourth stanza of the Star Spangled Banner, You know, it's one of those verses we don't sing. He said this, and let this be our national motto, in God we trust. 
1864, Congress, by law, added in God we trust to our American coins, every single coin in the entire republic, in God we trust. You couldn't scrub it out. (laughs) And then in 1956, Congress, by law, signed by President Eisenhower, Made the, made the words, in God we trust, finally, our national motto. And they also decreed that in God we trust would be on all of the dollar bills and paper currency throughout the republic. President Dwight D. Eisenhower said this. He signed that into law. He declared that without God, there could be no American form of government nor an American way of life. Recognition of the supreme being is the first and the most basic expression of Americanism. If you want to be American, according, and you remember, Dwight Eisenhower wasn't only a president. He was a general in World War II and a really good one at that. He said, real American is recognizing the supreme being and recognizing thus the founding fathers of America saw it and thus with God's will and help, it will continue to be in God we trust. Well, I'd like to go through a few verses about what God thinks about those who trust in man. Because one of the things as I've been going through this election season, and I will be very honest with you, it has been very vexing for me. And I think for most Americans, it has been vexing. It's been frustrating hearing the way people treat each other. And it's reached a crazy fever pitch. And it'll just get worse until election day and probably afterwards. But the one thing that stands is we must be careful not to trust in man. I don't care if it's your candidate that wins. God speaks against trusting man. Psalm 62 verse 9 says this, Surely men of low degree are a vapor. Men of high degree, like a president, are a lie. If they are weighed on the scales of God, they are altogether lighter than vapor. This is our God. We should not trust in man. Turn with me to Jeremiah 17. Jeremiah 17. We're going to look at verses 5 and 6. Jeremiah 17, 5 and 6. And uh, we'll we'll come back to this chapter a little bit later, so keep a marker or finger in there. Jeremiah 17, 5 and 6 says this. And this is not me saying this. This is God. This is what God thinks about trusting man. Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land which is not inhabited. In other words, if you put your trust in man, if you put your trust in man's ability, you're going to be like a bush in the desert with no water. It's going to be rough. You're going to feel like you're all by yourself. You are not going to see good coming. You're just going to see problems multiply. It's like inhabiting or living in parched places in the wilderness. Wow. 
Why is a person cursed? Because in verse 5, they trust in man. They make flesh their strength. And you understand what flesh is. It's our humanity. It's our human strength, human understanding, human senses. No, don't rely on yourself. Don't rely on someone else. Now, you know, this is ultimate heart trust. Obviously, from day to day, we have to rely and people need to be reliable. But we need to be ultimately dependent upon God and God alone. And then it says, whose heart departs from the Lord. I think there's a connection there. I think when we put our trust in man, in flesh, in human ability, we are drawn toward man and away from God. That's not a good thing. And that's why God says, cursed is the man who trusts in man. You've been listening to the first half of a message that I preached at my home church just days before the 2016 election called In God We Trust. Note that this message is a different one from that which I shared over the last two episodes, which was a message that I preached in my church just a few weeks ago. So join us next week for the conclusion of this important and very timely message, In God We Trust. No doubt, the days and the years ahead are uncharted waters. But the Christian has no reason to be anxious or fearful because God remains on his holy throne as King of kings and Lord of lords. He is king over all of history and over all of current events that bow before him. He rules and reigns over all, and that is an incredibly encouraging thought. Let's take a moment right now and pray. Father God, in the name of the matchless name that is above all names, the name of Jesus, the name to which every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue proclaim that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Father, in that rich and royal name, we lift up our hearts in prayer to you. First of all, Lord, we pray uh, for what's going on in our country right now. And I pray that the final part of this election would be conducted legally, honestly, and openly. And Father, if anything has been uh, that has happened in this election has been wrong, has been illegal, uh, I pray that that would be exposed and that every legal vote that's been cast would be counted fairly. Father, help us, regardless of the outcome of this election, to put our full trust in you. I thank you so much, Lord, that you are my king, and you are the king of kings and Lord of lords. Father God, our allegiance is to you and you alone. Thank you that we are in a kingdom that will never come to an end. Father, it gives me great peace and great comfort and great encouragement knowing that you are ultimately in control and that all things throughout all timelines of history converge together for your glory. 
We thank you for that, Lord. We thank you that you are Lord. We thank you that you are King. In Jesus' name, amen. Dear friends, now more than ever, ministries, biblically-based ministries that teach the Word of God unflinchingly like this one, the Daily in Christ podcast, are very important for our times, not just for Christians, but for those who don't yet believe on the Lord Jesus Christ unto salvation. And my dear friend, I don't have a big advertising budget. In fact, I don't have any advertising budget at all. But I'm trusting God to raise up people such as yourself to spread the word about the Daily in Christ podcast. Will you do that? Because I promise we will keep our eyes upon the Lord. We will bring the encouragement and hope straight from the Word of God, the Bible. We will share the good news of the gospel of grace, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you believe in that, thank you for sharing this podcast with a few close friends and family members. Dear friend, I am Mark Van Oos. Always remember what it says in Psalm 34, verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Music